Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills answers your table tennis questions. And today is Throwback Thursday, so we'll be taking a look at an old video that will help you out. We've also got some great questions lined up, including how to set up a third ball attack, using the push as an attacking stroke, learning to serve short with topspin, and whether multi-ball is only useful for beginners. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Coach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Morning, Jeff, and uh, yes, uh, Jeff's back uh, where he lives, and I'm where I live, so uh, no, no sitting next to each other this morning. No, no sitting next to each other, and I've still left my slide up, Alois, so no one can see me, which if they're listening to the podcast, they probably can't anyway. <laughs> so don't forget, you can listen to this as a podcast. Um, you'll find the RSS feeds on our website, so check out pinkskills.com and click on the blog link, and you'll find all the information there. Yeah, so as I mentioned, Alois, a great show lined up. Um Throwback mm -hmm. Thursday and some interesting questions. But first, let's take a look at the Ping Skills question of the day from yesterday, which is what is the peak age for table tennis? Yeah, and we were discussing this because uh, in the last couple of weeks we've had uh, tournament winners. So uh, Hertzi Wen from Spain, uh, 52 years old, winning the men's doubles in the at the Spanish Open. And just the week before, Mima Ito, 14 years old, winning the women's singles at uh, the German Open. So, you know, and, and as we said, surely 14 or 52 isn't your peak age. So what is your peak age? And I think it, uh, it varies a bit. I, I think, you know, for most European players, and this is a big generalisation, obviously, for most European players, it's around 25 years old um, because they by then they've got... Um, a chance to to gain enough experience and uh, play enough tournaments and internationally. Um, whereas I think with the Chinese, it's a little bit younger in general, um, or it has been. Um, and I think that's because they start a little bit earlier and put in so many more hours um, when they're younger. Um, so so I think their peak is you know probably early twenties. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean I was gonna you know say around 26, something like that, Alois. But, yeah, it's an interesting point about the Chinese um, peaking earlier. Yes. Was that, was, that a, was that a little pun there, was it, Jeff? The Chinese peaking? <laughs> of course. Yeah, I meant that. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Very yeah, good. You no, peaked no, this morning. Yeah. No, it is interesting because, um, I mean, and... and you know, there's always the exceptions and um, that sort of thing. But yeah, and I think it, even um, the the Ch the Chinese women, uh, you know, probably earlier as well. So um, yeah, getting more done at an earlier age. So, but you know, having said that, you know, some of the Chinese players do tend to um, uh, perform well um, still into their you know mid twenties and and late twenties. Yeah, and I did an interview years ago with Richard Lee, who was New Zealand Open champion multiple times, a uh, great player from New Zealand. And in there, one piece of advice he said was don't give up too early because he said he finds a lot of people, you know, give up just before they're about to, you know, take their game to another level, you know, and he's like success could always just be around the corner. 
and I thought it was uh, very fitting and kind of relevant to this conversation. Yes, and don't forget our little story from the other day um, from our friend Marius about the miracle mud. Yes. Indeed. So, yes. If you haven't um, uh, heard that story, uh, we'll put a link to the episode that, uh, that mentioned the miracle mud. Indeed. Miracle mud. Got to, got to get some of that stuff. All right, um, let's move on then, Alois, to the Ping Skillers question of the day for today, which is, who would win in an arm wrestle between Jeff and Alois? Now, if you watched yesterday's show, I think you'd see that my muscles are probably a lot bigger, so just a heads up, probably pick me. Oh, anyway, just, leave your thoughts on pingskills.com. Love to I'll hear leave, I'll leave it with you guys. You know, you know the answer. <laughs> All right, Alois. It is Throwback Thursday, and today, what video are we going to take a look at? Uh, it, it's an interesting video. It's the video on the most important skill. It's a really basic, simple video, but um, it's one of our most popular videos as well. So, um, in in the most important skill, what we talk about is that the most important thing about table tennis, especially when you're starting out, is to just learn to keep the ball on the table. Just being able to put the ball back on the table as many times as you possibly can um, is so important when you're starting out because you're, you're then developing just the basic skill of um, understanding the angle of your racket, understanding um, how hard you need to hit the ball to get the ball back on the table and to be able to just adjust your strokes slightly each time. So not necessarily about hitting the ball fast or hard, just about getting the ball on the table and learning those basic skills of uh, being able to do that well. Um, it's, it sounds really simple, but it's something that I think, um, especially when we're starting out, we don't put enough emphasis on. You know, we um, we start to think about, oh, I want to play my smashes and I want to do my serves and all that sort of thing, but there's no replacement for having that control of being able to put that ball on the table when you really need to. And I think um, that's such an important skill um, for us to, to know and to learn, and especially um, when, uh, when we're just starting out. And, and it has been, it's been a hugely popular video as well. It has, yeah. Um, so I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I think it does get some mixed reactions though, Aloy. Some people are like, well, well, that's pretty stupid video, pretty obvious statement. And then others really get what we've been trying to say and, and, and understand the message. So um, anyway, you guys watch it um, and see if you can get the message we're trying to uh, give um, in the video. Um, on a separate note, Alloys, it looks like you've got new rubbers. They look particularly shiny there compared to what you normally show on the show. We've got shiny new bat. Um, it, yeah, so. it is exciting, isn't it? Everyone loves getting new table tennis equipment. Yes. Just even the smell of the rubber is lovely. Um, yeah, so we're trying out uh, this rubber. I might try it on the black. It might be easier to see. So it's Raxa X or Raxa 10. Not sure how, what they call it. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to give that a bit of a whirl and see what that looks like and what that plays like, and uh, I'll give you a bit of a report over the next uh, week or so as to as to how it plays. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Um, now, Brock, 
is always interested in height. We were talking about this yesterday. He always plays against a lot of huge guys. Um, and he wants to know, how tall are you, Alloys? Um, and he's um, guessing you're like 5'10 or something like that. I don't know in feet anymore. Um, 171 centimetres. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm 178, which I think is five foot ten. Um, so I think Brock was pretty much spot on. So anyone answering that arm wrestle question just realise that I'm quite a bit taller than Alloys, so probably stronger. And, Even uh, though Guy says you're strong, Jeff, but I think Alloys will win. I bet Alloys will win, but not easily. No, see? surely not, Brock. Surely not. See, Brock. Brock knows where where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. All right, well, let's get on to um, another question. First from uh, Kiriakos, who says, I was trying to execute the third ball attack, um, but I couldn't get the response I wanted from my opponent to attack the ball. Can you point out some good serve variations that I can use to execute this tactic? Thank you in advance. Yeah, so Kiriakos, I think uh, one of the really important things with... Um, with your serves when you're trying to execute the third ball is variation. So if, it, I mean, it doesn't matter what serve you do, you know, they, um, if you do it four or five times, they're going to start to be able to uh, return the ball a little bit better, um, you know, lower and all that sort of thing. So what you're looking for for a third ball is a ball that's going to sit up a little bit higher or a little bit longer that you, you're able to attack. So just by making some variation between the heavy backspin and the less backspin, you're going to start to um, get some of those higher balls or longer balls that you're going to be able to attack. Um, for, for each person that you play against, it's going to be a little bit different, you know, what works um, against them. And it can also be even just the, the placement. So if you serve the ball to their forehand, they might cope with it really easily and be able to and have good touch on the forehand to be able to push that ball back short. Um, or, um, but if you hit serve the ball to their backhand, their touch might not be as good. Not I I know for myself, I used to be able to feel the ball really well with my forehand and almost cover um, all of the table with my forehand, but. Um, when the ball came to my backhand, I didn't feel quite as comfortable to keep the ball lower or shorter. So, um, yes, yeah, so find the placement, find the type of serve, and it's, and it's the variation. Uh, sometimes you can put a little bit of top spin or back spin or side spin and just change it up so that then you're going to get the little bit higher response that you're going to be able to attack. So that's the key for the third ball. Yeah, great advice, Alice. And I think it's interesting to note that as you improve in level and you start playing against better players, they're going to have better return to serve. So you're going to have to work harder to get that third ball attack. And it's not always going to go how you want. You're not going to just serve and it's always going to come where you can play a third ball attack. You know, Sometimes you're going to have to work during the rally. You might have to play another short push or you know mix it up a bit. So... Yeah, it's all about variation, and it's all about just continuing to work towards making that first attack. So, um, yeah, just keep on practicing and keep on uh, improving your serve and improving your touch and your short game, and that'll give you more opportunities to attack. All right, um, next question, Alois, is from Matt. And Matt says, I know that you always insist that the push is a defensive stroke, but I find putting more spin and doing it in a finer and quicker contact and aiming for the corner 
could win some easy points. Tell me, please, how to do it and how to defend against this type of shot. Yeah, so the the, the, um, yeah, the push can be a, an, an attacking stroke, and I think, you know, Jeff particularly likes um, thinking about the push as being an aggressive stroke as well. So you you need to you need to um, get that ball deep and fast if, it, if you're going to look at it as being aggressive, or if you're going to get it short, you've got to really push it um, hard with a lot of spin um, and real fine contact to get the ball short and aggressive. So it can really open up opportunities for you if you um, can do your push well and aggressively. So thinking about how we're going to do that stroke, so we're going to um, really get lay our bat back so that we can come underneath the ball to generate more backspin, so right under there to generate the backspin, um, and we're going to get a nice, sharp, fast movement with the stroke so that you're getting the ball deep and out to the corners. When you're practicing it, don't be afraid to push the ball long sometimes and just see how fast and how far you really can uh, push that ball because I find most of the time when players start to do this, they push it and they're a little bit conservative and the ball just goes into the middle area of the table where it's easy to attack. But if you just start to get that ball a little bit further and deeper on the table and closer to their end line, then it becomes a completely different um, prospect for your opponent. So, yeah, so really dig it sharply with as much spin as you can. And, yeah, it can be an aggressive stroke and it can set up um, the next attacking ball for you. Yeah, good point, Matt, and a great question. And I, I think it is important not just to push passively because then you're giving easier opportunities for your opponent. So, yeah, work on that. Um, I guess because it's a backspin shot and because it's not hit as fast as, say, a forehand topspin, people do often consider it a defensive shot. But, yeah, I like your attitude. Consider it as an attacking shot and really go for go for it. Um, yeah, so, Alice, I guess to defend against that, probably if they push long and fast to the corners, the best response is probably a topspin. Yeah, it is a topspin, but um, the key there is to make sure that after you make a push that you're getting back into position quickly. If you're back in position, then it doesn't matter if they push the ball long to you, you're going to be able to make a topspin. If you push the ball and you stay there close to the net, then they push the ball deep to you, then it becomes a very diff difficult um, shot to play. So after you push the ball each time, come back to your um, a ready position to make a topspin. If they push it short again, it's easy to move in um, to cover that ball. But if they push the ball long, then you're ready to make that topspin. And you really should be aiming to make a topspin off that long ball if they're going to push deep and fast at you. Okay, excellent. All right, thanks for the question, Matt. Next up is Christian's question. And Christian says, Can you please tell me how can I pull off a short topspin serve I see most pro players doing it, and it looks really confusing. Yeah, so Christian was talking about, so um, he basically used to serve like that, you know, with just a, a long topspin um, serve that, uh, that was going long on the table and very easy for the other person to see that um, it was coming along with topspin and easy for them to then attack. So um, what Christian wants to know is how we're going to get that a short topspin serve, so you're still getting topspin on the, on the serve, but the ball's going short, and I think also um, how uh, deceptive it's going to be. 
So one simple way to do it is with the pendulum serve. So with the pendulum serve, um, at the start of your pendulum serve, so you've got your um, shoulder up, your elbow up nice and high, and then the back comes through in this pendulum motion. So from there, going down and then coming up again. Now, if you hit the ball as the bat's coming down, then you're going to get some backspin on the ball. However, if you hit the ball a little bit later in the swing, when the balls, when the bat's coming up, then you're going to generate some topspin on the ball. So the ball's going to kick forward um, because you're brushing the ball up that way. So up, and then you're going to get topspin on the ball going there. So, so that's the first thing is the deception of the the backspin and the topspin. So getting that. Um, contact when the bat's going up to get the topspin. So then how do you get that short? One of the key things is the height. So if you get the ball really low over the net, you're going to give yourself a better chance. The second thing is you need to hit the ball from a little bit lower. So if you're hitting the ball from up high or too high, then the ball is going to bounce higher. So you want to hit the ball from really low, um, hitting the ball so it bounces still fairly close to you on your side of the table and then it's got to creep over the net and the top spin is going to make it dip quickly and then bounce twice on the table. Um, it's, a, it, it's a really difficult uh, serve to, to master, but it's a good one. It's a good one if you can start to get it right because it, um, it makes it hard for your opponent to keep it short. Um, they may be able to flick it, but if it's really low, then it's harder to flick and um, then you'll be ready for the next ball. So, yeah, give that a try, Christian. It's, um, it's a really good serve if you can master it, but, um, but it's difficult. Um, but give it a go, hitting the ball late in the swing, hitting it low and getting it to bounce close on your side and just creeping over the net with the top spin, kicking it down onto the table. Excellent, yes. And I think that's a good segue, Alloys, into our premium membership. Um, in our premium membership, we offer a whole course on serving secrets where we cover the pendulum serve, but also the tomahawk, the backhand, the high toss serve, and we talk about how to practice and give some advanced tips. So if you're thinking about it, try out the Ping Skills premium membership. Um, you can go to when you have, you can log into your free account and go to my info and see all the information, or if you reach a premium member video, there's a more info uh, button that you can find out all about the premium membership, so consider that. Um, along with all the serving secrets, we've got a receiving secrets course, a training secrets course, plus a 52-week training plan. So there's lots of great information to help you improve your table tennis. So check that all out at pingskills.com. All right, Alois, um, moving on. Oh, but before I do, yeah, you mentioned... Uh, Keeping the ball low is a great um, tip for that serve. And so we've got a video specifically on that. So I will put a link in the show notes to keeping the ball low. There's a little trick you can use that really works very effectively to help you keep that ball low. So make sure you check out the show notes at pingskills.com and click on the blog link. All right, next question is from Friendly Alloys. And he says, there's a coach that said that multi-ball is only useful for beginners and useless for pros. He said that it's better to practice with only one ball. What do you think about it? And is it useful? And how much frequency should I practice with multi-ball? 
Yeah, so um, a lot of all the all the top players um, utilize multi-ball within, as part of their training still. Um, so it's useful because you can just get repetition of strokes, a little bit more speed with um, with your training as well. So yeah, so the Chinese use it a lot uh, with their training. Um, I mean, as a percentage, yeah, I, I think about you know if if you use it for about twenty five percent of your training, it's good to um, to do repetition to uh, to groove strokes. And then the other seventy five percent, you're uh, you're training with with one ball and tracking the ball and and doing all that sort of thing. So I mean, it, it, that's not a hard and fast rule about twenty five percent, but that's just a guide uh, for you to start off with, friendy. Um, yeah, utilize it. It's 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 a useful tool. Multi ball's great. And we've got a we've got a uh, section on multi ball that uh, you can check out as well. Yeah, I'll put that link up. So if you're not sure what multi ball is or how to do it, make sure you check out our videos on multi ball. It's um, you know the secret weapon of the Chinese. Not so secret anymore. Um, and as Aloy said, everyone uses it. Um, and in clubs, they use it from beginners right up to the professionals. Um, yeah, it's it's brilliant. Try it out. All right, Valentin has jumped on and asked a question using the Google Q&A button. And we've had a few questions on this. So if you want to ask a question live on the show, you go to our Google Plus page, which is plus.google.com slash plus ping skills. And there you'll see all these shows, which are known as events on the Google Plus page. And when you find a show, there'll be a little trailer video and it'll have a little Q&A up in the top corner. And you click on that button and then you'll be able to ask us a question, just as Valentin has. And the question is, hey there, I recently did some drills with a partner, but she had forgotten her racket and had to use an old one. I struggled a bit as the ball was going into the net. So my question is, can a really old inverted rubber that is worn out work as an anti-spin rubber? Weird. Yeah, certainly does, Valentine. So um, once the once the rubber becomes dead and or slippery, um, it basically does act as an anti-spin rubber because um, the ball isn't gripping. So with this nice shiny new rubber, um, if the ball hits the rubber, it's going to grip in and come out the other way. Whereas if the if the um, rubber is worn, then the ball hits there and slips off. So, and that happens all the time. It was interesting the other day. I um, I just picked up an old bat and was hitting with uh, one of the kids at uh, one of the training sessions, and I hit with him for you know two or three minutes, and he's going, "Oh, my shot's going really badly," and he just kept hitting the ball into the net, and um, I, I I left him with it um, just to try and work it out himself, but. Yeah, he spent the first two or three minutes just um, really stressing about his shot and telling telling himself, "Oh, my shot's not working," um, because I was playing with um, just an old cheap bat that, um, and basically the the rubber was worn and it was acting like an anti-spin rubber. Um, so eventually, he started to work it out and understood what was happening. But um, yeah. And, and it can be really confusing to start off with because, you know, it looks like they've got a bat that's quite normal and they're hitting the ball and the ball's coming back and uh, when you're hitting it, it's sliding off because it's got that backspin rather than topspin. So, uh, yeah, certainly can happen and it happens quite a bit. And that's why it's worth checking out your opponent's uh, racket before you start and that's something that you are allowed to do um, in the rules. So you're allowed to... Um, 
just have a look at uh, what uh, what they're using and um, and I mean as long as you don't go up and just start you know poking and prodding too much, but you can look at it and just um, see what uh, what type of rubber they've got and what their bat looks like. So that it's worth doing that, and you'll see um, the. Uh, Professional players, you don't see it so much now out on court because all that happens in the um, in the in the room before they come out to play. But uh, the players will uh, look at each other's rackets and uh, examine what they're what they're using. Indeed, yeah, and I guess also, um, Valentine, the point there is if you're a an attacking player that likes to use spin, or even a defensive player that likes to use spin your rubbers do wear out over time, so it's important to replace your rubbers when they wear out, otherwise you won't be able to generate the spin, and, you know, that's obviously a, an important part of the game. So, you know, as a rough rule, you know, every 80 or 100 hours of playing time, your rubber probably wears out. It's just a rough guide, and you need to replace it and get new rubbers. All right. Um, now, um, Alois Valentin's asked another question. What is your favourite brand of table tennis balls? Um, and he'll be waiting for the review of your new rubbers too. Yeah. Um, yeah, so table tennis balls now, I don't have a favourite because uh, they're all in the uh, development process with the plastic balls. But uh, certainly with the celluloid balls, my favourite was definitely the Nataku ball. They uh, are always, you know, nice and round and hard and... Uh, yeah, always pretty consistent with the Nataku balls. It'll be interesting just to see now um, who develops the best plastic ball. I know we did talk about um, Nataku have actually developed a really good plastic ball um, that's almost like a celluloid ball, but they're not that readily available. Um, so we'll we'll just see. We'll see um, who comes up with the best ball. And, you know, maybe Nataku have got some sort of special... Um, abilities with ball making so uh, who knows maybe, yeah, yeah I think it's um, I think it's a good opportunity for the manufacturer to really stand out at the moment because there's a lot of complaints about the balls breaking and they're not being that good so if a manufacturer can come out I think they could really dominate that whole table tennis ball uh, market alright there we go so Thank you, everybody, for watching. Make sure you check out pingskills.com and you can find all the show notes for this show and all the past shows under our blog link. And you can also sign up for our free newsletter while you're there. Thanks for all your questions. Thanks for watching. And thank you, Alois. Yep. Thanks, Jeff. And uh, Pingskills, have a great weekend. We're going to be away for a few days now. It's um, our Easter over here. So um, we're away tomorrow and also Monday, and I think we'll be back on the Tuesday. So uh, it'll be a few in interrupted weeks over the next couple of weeks. Um, I've got a few big events um, coming up, and uh, Ian, as I say, with Easter as well. So, um, But we will see you next Tuesday. Indeed, we will. So have a great uh, Easter break for those that have a break, and other people just have a great weekend, and we will see you back on Tuesday. Bye, everyone. Thank you.